From GFHK Studios, it is Armchair Adventures. I'm Anna Fong, your host, and this is a podcast about traveling. I'll dive deep into the reasons to travel, share some tips and tricks, especially when you're in foreign countries, and sometimes I'll talk about different cultures. Sometimes I'll bring you to one of my favorite cities, and hope that you'll one day hop on a plane or begin a road trip and start your own adventure. Let's start off today's episode with the word of the day. Today's word is "hodophile." It's derived from an ancient Greek word, which means "lover of roads," which also means "love to travel." So, if you're called a hodophile, that means you're a lover of traveling. Before you say we cannot travel, it's not safe. The borders are closed. Countries are not letting people in. I know, I know, I know. I know that the world is still kind of in a shutdown because of COVID nineteen. Nobody knows when international travel will fully resume, but it's a great time to plan your next big trip. For this, I'm asking you to please take care of yourselves during the this time and be considerate of others by. Masking up, practicing social distancing, and washing your hands. Let's look forward to the future adventures ahead. But for now, allow me to tell you a couple reasons why you should plan your next big trip and go travel. I'm also going to bring you to one of my all-time favorite cities to travel. So stay tuned for that. Growing up in Hong Kong, it's common for families to travel outside the city during holiday breaks, and I'm really grateful for all the opportunities to visit different countries and experience their unique cultures. Traveling internationally is one of my favorite things to do with my family and friends. It does not matter how many times you've visited that place or how far it is from your home. Every single time, you get a unique experience during your stay, and I bet you. You will discover some hidden gems every single time. One time, you may find this cafe in the corner where they sell the best coffee. Another time, you may discover an underrated park with the prettiest sakura trees during springtime. I think the ultimate question is, why travel? I believe everybody has heard the story of the little frog in the well. Maybe you're like the frog. You're already satisfied with your life living in the neighborhood or an area that you're really familiar with, and I a hundred percent respect that. But what if I'm like the bird? What if I tell you that there's a whole world out there waiting for you to live? There's food to taste that you thought you'd never like it. There are cultures to immerse in and stories that need to be listened and to be told. It's never too late to drop whatever you're doing and go for the distance. At this point, I hope you're just a little bit convinced to travel or just go to another state for a week and enjoy your holiday or something. But you might be wondering, what would you really gain from traveling on your own or traveling with your family and friends? So, if you're traveling alone, it definitely boosts your confidence. Your independence and it kind of forces you to step out of your comfort zone. Traveling solo sounds really scary, and hear me out—it's really scary, especially the plane rides and the time when you have to stay at the airports. 
As you may know, I am an exchange student from Hong Kong, and now I'm in Flushing, Michigan, here in America, doing a ten month exchange program. And it took me twenty three hours just to fly from Hong Kong to Flushing, Michigan, excluding all those time zones, time difference, whatever. It took me twenty three hours, and to be honest, that experience was terrifying, and I was. So scared and so nervous, but I think I, I think I got a lot of confidence and learned a lot from that process because it really forced me to think on my feet. And everybody knows nothing's better than figuring your life out on your own because sometimes you just have to learn life the harder way. So after a fifteen-hour flight from Hong Kong to LAX, which is The international airport in Los Angeles. I had to switch terminals, and it was midnight. I th- want to say it's it was two o'clock in the morning, and I had to switch terminals, and I had no idea where that terminal is because I had three hours to change from the international to to the international wing to the domestic lines, and I tried to ask people and. There were no staff members there. I tried to ask like people who are like just hanging around the airport, and they're not the friendliest. I must say, maybe it's because it's midnight or whatever. After half an hour, I took both of my luggages, and I looked so clumsy, and like I think I tripped like maybe twice, <laughs> and then um, I figured my way out from the international terminal to. The domestic line, and I got hopped on the plane from LA to North Carolina, and now I'm here. Okay, I am not trying to scare anybody here, cause I feel like if you're going to travel, you're probably going to have a companion with you, your family, your friends, your best friends, or your significant other. So. There's another reason why I feel like it's really important to plan your next trip is that you will allow yourself to escape the daily patterns of your life. We live heavily based on routines. Like as students, we go to school every day in the morning, and then after school we、we'll、do stuff. We might have rehearsals. We might have work, and then after that we eat. We have dinner, and then homework, and then we go to bed. It's really heavily based on routines, and yes, routines do make you more productive. But sometimes I feel like we need a little getaway from this really structured life and ch- just chill and enjoy your time and enjoy your presence in a different state. I feel like it's really important to know that sometimes we're too occupied with deadlines and responsibilities that we forgot there's a life beyond the backyard, beyond the classroom. So, how do you actually break that daily routine? For example, you're in Bali and you book this beautiful villa resort with palm trees around surrounding you. With like, it's just a huge area built with like small houses. One house is your bedroom, and then another house is your living room, and then you have a whole private swimming pool all on your own. Why don't you just try to wake up without setting an alarm? And then maybe switching off your phone, 
then enjoy the free room service, whatever you want, and enjoy the pool, and take in the birds, take in the trees, take in the fresh air, take in like maybe the heat if you're in there in the summer, and just be present and take in everything and allow your brain to relax and forget about all the stress from work, from schoolwork, and from maybe from relationships. Just take some time to focus on yourself and take care of yourself. Ooh, I sounded like I was giving a whole speech about my philosophy. Anyways, um, hear me out. Self care, it's really important. So just please, maybe like pause this podcast and just listen to your heart, listen to your soul, and just take some time to take care of yourself. Last but not least, I feel like traveling makes you become more culturally aware. Some people call it develop. Cultural sensitivity. I'm not really sure about the term sensitivity, but I feel like if I call it culturally, become more culturally aware, it makes it sound more inclusive. I'm not sure. I'm just gonna call it culturally aware. So, if you're traveling to another state, to another country, and you're physically there, it allows you to fully understand the cultural norms and their values, and you soon realize that some stereotypes about the people there might not be true. For example, some people think that Hong Kong waiters are rude because they slam down your drinks. They are not rude. That's just their way of being efficient because we are always in a hurry. Silly life, perhaps. And you may think Hong Kong people were inscrutable. We're loud and we lack manners when talking to people in our native language, which is Cantonese. But the thing is, it's just because of our language. Sometimes the sweetest conversation can sound like a blue murder. Like maybe when we're saying like, "Oh my gosh, I love your tumbler. Where did you get it?" It might sound like we're yelling at that person. That um, that person has done something wrong. But the thing is, it's just our language. We can't help it. It's how Cantonese it is, and plus, speaking of um, Asian stereotypes, there's a rise of Asian hate in America, thanks to coronavirus. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Well, I've the only thing I'm gonna say about this is that if people are willing to listen, to learn, and to open their minds, perhaps the world will become har- more harmonious and. They would be more understanding and know that we are not the virus. We are just human beings like you and me, regardless of race, regardless of religion and cultural backgrounds. This episode is sponsored by Trivago. Trivago is a hotel search with an extension of price comparisons between hotel websites. COVID still here. My plane ticket booked for next year. Hotels Travago. Konnichiwa, Tokyo e yogoso. That means, hi, welcome to Tokyo. Tokyo is the capital of Japan, and it's a huge mixture of the ultra modern and the traditional. 
from neon lit skyscrapers, I believe there's at least like a hundred, to historical temples and parks. So what you can think is that imagine a city like a really modern city like New York City. You could still find elements of the past, maybe buildings or statues back when emperors and kingdoms are still a thing in Japan. It within a city that's well lit, with a lot of like glass buildings and just a lot of like modern stuff. Tokyo, Japan is definitely my second home. I've been there multiple times and. I don't think I'll ever get tired of Tokyo. It's just such a phenomenal place. There's so many places to explore and to adventure. There's still so many places I haven't been and I really wanted to go, even though I've been there multiple times. I remember the first time I went to Tokyo. I was five, I want to say. I didn't remember much about that trip. But I remember I got this really cute white rabbit stuffed animal from the Ueno Zoo. I was obsessed with it, and I think I still have it next to my bed back home. I'm not really sure, and I definitely remember the Disneyland part. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it, and I went to Tokyo. I think two or three times, only with my mother. One of the reasons it's because my sister has a thing for plane rides. It takes four hours to travel from Hong Kong to Tokyo. I don't know why. It's a really short trip when comparing to my trip to America. It was only four hours, and I don't know. My sister just hates plane rides. She hates planes, so she, her, and my dad, they didn't go. So me and my mom, we just went to Tokyo for eight days and had a. Ton of fun.、Um, we didn't. We didn't really have a schedule. We just wing it most of the time. And my mother is so familiar with Japan. She's the biggest fan of Japan, especially Tokyo. She. I don't know how many times she's been to Tokyo. Most of the time, we don't need a map, or we don't need to rely on Google Maps to figure out the the route to um go to the places that we want to go within some city wards of Tokyo. So after a long plane ride, you finally landed at Tokyo. I assume you're going to land at Narita International Airport. You are definitely recommended to stay in Shinjuku or somewhere around Shinjuku. Shinjuku is the city ward of Tokyo, and it's super convenient. When I say super convenient, I mean super convenient. There are restaurants everywhere. At least you won't get starved. Um, you can go everywhere by train. There's a huge Shinjuku train station, and you can go everywhere by train. In particular, I would definitely recommend you to travel along the Yamanote line. So, if you look up on the internet and you find、um, Tokyo railways or trains, you will find this really small、um, light green line. It's a circle, and it's and it's. I think it's like in the middle of the map, so that's the Yamanote line, and there are so many great places you can、um, explore along that train line. There are a ton of department stores in Shinj- Shinjuku. For example,、um, the Takashimaya, that's my favorite. 
because they they have the best food in their supermarket. Isetan, if you're looking for some um really nice um fashion items, and a lot of chain stores, so you won't get starved. You would be able to find your daily essentials if you've forgotten something, and usually it's pretty cheap and really um decent and reasonable. It's basically a huge area where you can find a lot of restaurants, different kinds of restaurants. There are um international brandings like McDonald's and Starbucks, of course, and um you can find some huge chain stores like Uniqlo and Gap, and I can't think of anything. Ah, um, Adidas or like Nike. You can find basically everything in Shinjuku, um. I would definitely recommend you to explore the big streets and also the small lanes. I bet you can find something really interesting. Maybe some、um, local stores you've never thought about. You, they'd sell this kind of stuff, and you would possibly find some hidden gems. I would definitely recommend um you to try buying hot drinks from vending machines. So some vending machines they have um these canned. Cream soup with corn, um, in their vending machines, and it's only a hundred yen. That's around um. I did the math. It's around ninety two cents, um, in U.S. dollars. So that's really cheap. Like it's around only a dollar for a can of soup, and it's super delicious. It's rich. It's creamy. There's actual corn in them, and especially during during the winter, if You're always cold. It warms you up in a second, and it's just one of my favorite things to do in Japan. Buying hot drinks from vending machines. They also have hot coffee. So if you're not a fan of drinking, if you don't feel like drinking cream soup in the middle of the street, then go buy a can of coffee for yourself because it's really good. If you're in Japan and you don't try one of their seafood items. What are you doing? <laughs> Japan has the best and the most hygienic food stores you could ever think of. Their seafood is phenomenal. It's top notch. So, if you happen to be in Shinjuku and you're trying to find a decent place to have dinner, I would recommend this place. It's called Kanidoraku. They have this iconic. Giant moving mechanical red crab moving above their store entrance. So, um, if you find that huge gigantic red crab just moving its legs on above their entrance, then you probably have found that store. It, and as you can tell from that iconic robot thingy, it sells red crab in all different. Shapes and forms, so they have um cold sashimi that's raw, and they serve it in paper hot pot. They serve it in tempura that's deep fried, and they serve also serve it in mac crab mac and cheese, which is my favorite. And they have all sorts of forms, and they serve they would cook it, and then they serve it cold. Um, they. I don't know. They just do a lot, a ton of stuff with crab, and it's so delicious. It's 
I don't know how to explain it. It's just one of the best um, seafood meals you could ever ask for, especially if you are a huge fan of shellfish and you're a huge fan of red crabs. The other reason why I always ask my mom to bring me to the same restaurant every single time when I go to Tokyo is because of their ice cream. So I am a huge dessert fan and they would have this menu of desserts and every time I get the same thing vanilla ice cream with ceremonial matcha I myself am a huge fan of matcha and green tea and they would serve you a cold scoop of vanilla ice cream and then they would make the ceremonial matcha using the, the bamboo whisk and then they would whisk it in front of you with hot water and ceremonial matcha powder and it's just so rich and it's so good and the flavors they blend so well together it's like a very mm, satisfying and really almost soothing feeling it's kind of like you're in a choir performance and you hear this four chord harmony and it just sounds so good that's the feeling when i taste that vanilla ice cream with ceremonial matcha it's pretty crazy but trust me if you try that it'll blow your mind if you happen to want to do a bit of shopping or if you want to do a little bit of thrifting and exploring i would recommend you to go to this place it's called harajuku it's only five minutes by train from Shinjuku, and I want to say it's there's only one stop in between Shinjuku and Harajuku. It's basically an area where you can find streets, lanes, and avenues filled with shops that sell knickknacks. There's trendy stuff, you can find vintage clothing, you can find vintage thrift stores secondhand clothing stores you can find snacks you some stores they sell really good crepes and one store in particular it's the jagabi official store and they have really good fresh jagabi fries my sister and my dad they went to an owl cafe in harajuku and they had a ton of fun they they hung out with a snow owl there and my sister was so happy and so satisfied with her experience. They took a lot of pictures and I kind of wished I didn't go shopping with my mom and just went to the owl cafe with my sister. Anyways, there's so many stores for you to just explore and find out. And there, other than um, vintage clothing and um, teenage stuff, um, they also have high-end fashion. So when you walk um, more towards Shibuya, you can find more um, international brands and you can find more high-end high fashion brandings. Shibuya is another area right next to Harajuku and they sell um, big brands, like big famous, most of them are international brands. So if you're trying to find something that um, that's a really well-known brand and you want to get it at like a cheaper price or get a higher, better quality, um, you perhaps could try going to Shibuya and see if you can find that store. And 
they have one of the busiest intersections in the world, like the cross intersections. It goes in six ways, and you will not believe that people won't crash into each other when they walk across the street. It's just crazy. You have to you have to see it yourself. It's kind of like going one like one lane goes for diagonal towards the right, and then the other lane goes diagonal towards the left, and then one lane they would go horizontal, and one lane would go vertical. It's just crazy. It's just like crisscross, crisscross. But you, it's it's just crazy. I'm literally speechless. Another place I would recommend you to go to when you're in Harajuku is the Meiji Shrine. The Meiji Shrine is really well known in Tokyo, and it's pretty old. It's built back in nineteen twenty to commemorate the Emperor Meiji and his wife. I think nineteen twenty was the year that the Meiji period and and started, and Japan started to step into another historic. Time period, within their history, I'm not really sure about that. I think I'm right. Um. Anyways, so when you walked, um, across the road, you will find this um wooden, really tall gate that says the Meiji Shrine, and it's probably going to be in Japanese character. But then, if you can see like a ton of trees and there's a wooden gate. Then you probably found it. So when you walk walk through the gate, you would have to take um a couple minutes to walk through the forest, and all of a sudden you will have this calmness in your mind because all you could see is the trees, the flowers, and all you could hear is the birds. Are the birds? It's so calming, and you would forget how busy it was. Back there in the stores, and how jam packed the streets were because because there's just a lot of people, especially during the weekends, because the locals also like to go to Harajuku, and to spend their weekends with their friends. So when you walk through the forest, you you would be able to see the historic buildings along the way. Um, those buildings. They have these roofs that are gently curved out at the corners. One thing I think it's pretty interesting is that you could purchase these small boards or small wooden planks at their souvenir store or their one of their stations within the shrine area, and then you can write your wishes on it and leave it at the shrine. There are like. Um, small stations on the side with hooks on it, so you could hang your um wishes onto those small stations and hope that the gods and the spirits in that shrine would help to make your wishes come true. If you're a person who wants to learn more or to experience more of the historic element and the culture of. Japan, then I would definitely recommend you to visit Sensoji in Asakusa. It's only a forty-five minute train ride from Shinjuku, and it's an ancient Buddhist temple. And apparently, it's the oldest in Tokyo. I did my research, <laughs> and um, there are a couple of shopping streets in front of the um temple. They, there are a ton of stores selling a variety of food. 
they have dried goods, they have、um, fresh food. Um, some stores they sell souvenirs. Some stores they sell um umbrellas, um really traditional, um Japanese clothing, etc. etc. And one of the stores within those shopping streets, I unfortunately do not remember the name of that store. They sell um they sell ice cream, and they sell the best sweet potato ice cream you could ever ask for. Um. To s- explain this in the simplest form, it's the color of that ice cream is cream yellow. It's kind of like vanilla ice cream. It kind of tastes like vanilla ice cream, but it's more than just plain vanilla ice cream. It's just so good, and you don't think you are consuming a lot of sugar because it's. I feel like it's really natural, and there's a slice of fresh cooked sweet potato on the side as a decoration, and it's just so good. Um, the thing about um eating in those shopping streets is that you are not allowed to walk around with your food on your hands because, um, if you're eating while you're walking, there's a high chance you would. Um, drop some scraps on the floor, and they the Japanese they really put emphasis on cleanliness. So, um, if you want to eat, then you would have to purchase the food item and eat it on the side of the street in order to keep the streets clean. What makes Sensoji so famous and so touristy? It's, I think it's not only because of the history of the. Temple itself and the shopping streets, it's because of the gate. What makes Sensoji so、um, touristy and so famous? I don't think it's because of the history of the temple and、um, the shopping streets. It's actually because of the gate. The gate it's called the Kaminarimon, that means、um, the gate of the gods of the wind and thunder. The gate it's actually built. First built in nine nine forty one A.D. by a military commander in Japan, and the current gate, it's built in nineteen sixty. It stands um almost twelve meters tall, t- um eleven meters wide, and it's humongous. It's the entrance to the temple and. There's this four meter tall red lantern with the words Kaminarimon written on it. It's humongous, and it's the whole thing is red, and it's so eye catching and so symbolic.、Um, and there are statues on the side. That I think they are statues of the gods of the wind and thunder. If I am correct, and they they are on the side, and there, and that gate it's only a couple minutes from the Sakusa train station. So, if you get out of the train station, you only have to walk for maybe three to five minutes, and then you would see this huge red gate with this humongous red lantern. Then you know you arrived. 
So if you want to take a break from the city and enjoy a little bit of nature, I would suggest you to go to Ueno Park. Ueno Park, obviously, it's in Ueno. It's a 30-minute train ride from Shinjuku. And this park, it's a spacious public park in Ueno, where you can find a zoo called the Ueno Zoo, the zoo that I mentioned previously in this podcast. And there, and obviously, because it's a park, there are a ton of trees and a lot of lanes for you to walk and enjoy, to relax. And there are a couple of art museums and um, museums about Japan and the history of Tokyo. I believe there are also theaters within the park. I think it's like more of at the entrance of the park for those museums and theaters. So if you want to take a walk around um, some museums and look at some exhibits, then you are more than welcome to go into those museums and just check it out. The zoo, um, the thing about the zoo is that though all of those animals in the zoo, they look so happy. I don't know why they just look so happy and they are really enjoying themselves and they like their zookeepers. They enjoy the environment. They enjoy the people. I think it's because um, it's just how the zookeepers take care of their animals. They just give so much care and love to the animals that the animals are really loving it. They are really, they seem like they are really enjoying it. Unlike some zoos in other countries, they are literally trapped in a limited space and they don't have much room to move around and to enjoy themselves so japan in general i'd say it's pretty hard for you to find a garbage can in the middle of the street in the public because they put a lot of emphasis on cleanliness again so a pro tip for you is that try to keep a garbage bag Basically, just find a random plastic bag um, from that you got from the store or maybe just a random Ziploc bag. And that would be your own garbage bag. So you won't have to hold your dirty tissues um, with your hands and you can put it in the garbage bag. And once you get head back to your hotel room, then you can throw it away. And Japanese people... Um, don't be afraid to ask them questions. Don't be afraid to ask them for directions and locations. They're so friendly and they're really polite and really um, gentle, I'd say. So if you have a question, just go up and ask one of them and they will try their very best to answer your questions. The thing about seafood is that sometimes you can get food poisoning easily from seafood. Um, I talked to my host mom about seafood before and she said one of the biggest concerns for um, having seafood is that they don't know whether it, if it's safe or not. The thing in Japan is that I would guarantee if you have seafood in um, the department store or in any restaurants in a city, um, they are definitely safe to eat. They are definitely hygienic and they are ready to be eaten. <laughs> I don't know why, but like 
when I say raw fish, it sounds so weird. I prefer saying sashimi because like, there's a lot of difference between raw fish and sashimi. Sashimi is more like sushi, but then they, you just eat the fish part. So if you want to try some sashimi, but then you don't know where to get um, the best quality with in the cheapest price. One of the things me and my mom would do all the time is that we would head to the supermarket of the department store. Most of the time, it's Takashimaya. It's literally three minutes away from my hotel. A three-minute walk from my hotel. And we would go there at night where there's a clearance. Most of the time, supermarkets will have clearance on seafood and sash- specifically sashimi because they don't keep sashimi overnight. Otherwise, it go bad. And... It would just go, and they would just go away, go to waste. And that's when me and my mom would get um, pretty good quality sashimi, in particular tuna sashimi, at um, a cheaper price. Sometimes it's 20% off, 10% off. Um, if we're lucky, we would get half price. So you would never know. It's kind of like a small adventure every night. That's our last meal after dinner and before bed. Or maybe like maybe the second last meal before um, before bed. The thing with Japanese food is that they are always made fresh. And there's a lot of, a lot of grease unlike American um, fast food. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just a lot of... I find... Um, American fast foods tend to have a lot of grease and a lot of oil and I'm not a huge fan of like oily things so that's why I'm really obsessed with Japanese food and Japanese cuisines and when you're in Japan and you're having a dinner at a restaurant I would suggest you try not to do a lot of condiments and sauces most of the time it's so fresh that you won't even need um extra salt and pepper to add taste to it. I could do another whole episode just to talk about Japanese food because I am the biggest fan of Japanese food and I love food. So if you're interested, then let me know and I will make it happen. It takes around 13 hours to fly from Detroit to Tokyo. It is a pretty long flight, but it is definitely worth it to pay a visit during the Christmas time or spring break. Um, because it could get really hot during the summer. Most of the days, it's around the 80s to 90s. Some days, it might even hit that 100 mark. So hope I hope that one day, you'll be able to hop on a flight and visit this phenomenal place in Japan. Again, this is Armchair Adventures from GFHK Productions. I'm Anna Fong, your host, and I can't wait to hear what your next adventure is gonna be.